Welcome one and all to the Keeping It Real podcast. Today's episode, before four, was the 90s. And today we're talking about the wonderful music of the 90s and early 2000s. Great songs like Before Four's tune thing. That wasn't about um I don't know really what that song was about, but there was a lot of songs in that era that were very questionable nowadays, wouldn't you say, Ash? Quite suspect. Uh... I mean... I mean, ev- ev- everything everything looks suspect now. With a, I guess you could say a more a more trained eye, you know the 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 benefit of hindsight and all that. And and now you're kind of a lot of. I mean, to be fair, artists from the nineties, I can't think of any off the top of my head that have been done for, let's say, questionable acts with people who you shouldn't really be doing questionable acts with. Uh, there's one that always sticks in my mind, um, but mostly when I think of that kind of thing, I'm thinking of like the 70s and the 60s. That's true, actually. You know, the, the, ni- sort the, ni- of t- the 90s is a weird period where I think music kind of got itself a bit more back on track, but it still had a really bad footing in the uh, the crap of the 80s kind of. I don't know, it sort of bled over. You had songs like Barbie, Barbie Girl by Aqua, Umbop by Hanson. I mean, oh, I, mean uh, I, associate, I mean, I associate that kind of Europop. I mean, obviously, Umbop by Hanson, that's not Europop, but like the kind of Europop shit that, you know, Aqua did, I kind of associate with, I definitely associate with the 90s. Um, Obviously, I've 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 probably got a less nuanced view of um, decade, you know, kind of musical decades because I don't really. It's not my strong music. Isn't my strongest subject. It's a good day if I get over um, over ten on Popmaster, you know. <laughs> uh, so is that, is, that, um, is that how we're measuring um, people's knowledge of music? Oh yeah, pop, pop, Cambridge is pop master. Even though they don't, they don't really ask you many questions about anything after nineteen eighty-five. Um, it's it's probably as good a measure of musical knowledge as any. And I can't really think of any other any other music quizzes right now. Music is for me. Music has always been something that I enjoy, but I don't know loads about. Like, in terms of media, my strongest subjects are probably film, TV, video games, music, and music trivia has always been something that I'm wholly unfamiliar with. Like, uh, I'm I'm vaguely aware that the 90s happened, and I like a lot of bands from the 90s, you know. I always think of, like, obviously, you know, I always go to Britpop, you know, like, suede, pulp, and all that. You know, well, they were actually film. people I was going to touch on first because oh, okay, what suede? Not not suede actually, it's Britpop as a whole because it's oh, okay. kind of uh, even now um, there, there's an advert. I don't know who it's with. I think it might be Lloyd's because it's a very Lloyd sort of thing to do. Bang, where they've got Wonderwall being played in a slow, lo-fi style acoustic measure. Oh no, no, I I don't want this to become. 
I like I don't want this to become one of those one of those podcasts where a couple of white guys just get on and complain about things. But no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm no, I'm no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting on at you for it. I'm getting on at myself because I was about to say, fucking hate that shit. Oh, I, I... me too. But I, I'm touching on how impactful Britpop still is to this day. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like, you still I, I have feel... that played as an advert. I feel like as a as a as a country, we still kind of define ourselves with Britpop. Like, we haven't really like i mean anyone can feel free to correct me if i'm if i'm talking out my ass here because like i said i'm not great with music but uh, to my mind there hasn't really been another musical movement like Britpop, like a uk musical movement like Britpop. i mean you kind of had you had a lot of you had a lot of good i would argue there was like a post Britpop movement, and by that I'm referring to bands like Block Party. Oh, you mean the you mean like the the mid 2000s indie kind of? I yeah, feel like that was just bands and I know they don't really fit into this rivalry or this sort of style so much because they were quite different. I think in their technique, but I think there was this very strong wave of bands that when think, you look them up, you go, actually, I think, I think post Britpop is actually quite a good good term for those you know mid-2000s indie bands because there was yeah. that that sat sa- that sound you know but there were you couldn't move for 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 british indie bands for middle of the road british indie bands for a while you had um block party franz ferdinand uh were razor light british or were they american yeah but razor light is they just had razor a song light called british, america yeah. <laughs> the they just had a yeah they just had a song <laughs> they just had a song called america yeah um keen Keen, yeah. Keen, the feeling, um, the feeling, uh, the feeling. Who, um, they, they only do songs that are pretty much verbs. I think wasn't it? Wasn't there songs like, like, fill my little world right up? That's zone. the only one I know. That's the only feeling song I can yeah. remember, and that's only because it was on the advert. But like, I've not listened to a feeling song all the way through. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, would Muse count? They're more like arena rock, Muse, I suppose. But Muse, Muse, no. I feel like Muse took the mantle from U2, and that was quite a unique. Yes, mantle. people always compare them. Yes, they're always compared to Queen. But you're right, U2 kind of. Uh, yeah, no, that fits. That does fit. Uh, they they, they had like that, that U2 vibe because I wouldn't take it. Uh, that's not a knock on U2 or Muse, but they're not Queen level because I don't think their music is as impactful like people will know a muse song they might go oh yeah i've heard a muse song but i don't think many people readily go oh you know muse is this and also i would say that the problem with muse is really the career not collapse but the down the downward bit of muse's time at the moment is very similar to u2 where it's the same sound over and over and over and over again well, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get where you. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, obviously, yeah, I, I don't think the, Queen. The, the first few albums are really good. Yeah, you know, it's it's like with almost all good bands, if you rely too much on a sound, you become very trapped in a yeah bubble. I, I don't yeah. think. I think from Showbiz to um, I'm trying to think, I would say Black Holes and Revelations was their last very good album. 
but then the resistance is sort of everyone went mm. the resistance was apparently excellent live like which is no but this problem. is what you two did as well yeah like the problem with the resistance a lot of people told me that it worked much better in an arena than it did in the studio like that's what i heard from a lot of people but then then again like you know it had had a lot of catch songs that i really like but going back to brit pop i even though even with that kind of post brit pop movement that was it was huge you know it was it was huge i mean i i, I always want to put the killers in there they're not that they're, they're obviously american but like no but the killers that the killers found sound Seth. was yeah the that sound Seth in the uk they didn't find it in america that's true. Yeah, that's true. They like um, um, they said that they got told to come to the UK with that song, and they found that their Hot Fuss album was so popular in the UK. And... Yeah, the sound is so is is a very British indie sound. I remember finding out they're American and being really really surprised. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Flowers' style as a whole is very sort of British thing. It's a very British thing. Um, it's that it's that kind of that kind of like Morrissey esque tone, you know what I mean? Is like yeah, which is kind of where Britpop begins. It's really Britpop, is yeah, no, Brit... it's it's very Smith sounding. Maybe goes back to Joy Division in mm, some respects. Oh yeah, like without without. Um, I think I think I think maybe even Joy Division could have been more influential to the overall sound of Britpop than I mean I mean it's not a competition let's face it like no, I mean we like, I it's think not, the but... season that's when it became a Britpop thing I, I would say Britpop goes back to the Beatles era really I think it's that sort of swinging 60s it's the British invasion well style. I mean I mean I, I feel like you take it that far and you could say that you know everything's kind of connected to everything you know like like <laughs> Yeah, but what I mean is, it, it begins there, but it was almost like as though, uh, because when you look at the theme and the sound, it sort of ties into that Seattle sound as well. Oh, what, grunge. Grunge, yeah. yeah. Grunge music. And I think that's kind of where they it's mesh all, a bit. It's all a bit, it's all a bit grunge, but I will say, like, the Beatles comparison, um, I don't know many American bands of Oasis. You know, so like I don't American, American bands that I don't know many American Oasis fans. No, well, I, I actually think here that Britpop as a whole didn't really do the jump to America. No, that's 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 what's so kind of odd about it. Like it 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 was a massive cultural phenomenon in the United Kingdom. Which was entirely specific to the United Kingdom. Yeah, um, I mean, you did. They did have some hits over there, like not Oasis, but um, what do you call them? James? Do you remember the band James? I've heard of them, but I, I could James, not name you a single one of their songs. Had the song um, "Sit Down," "Sit Down Next to Me." Oh, do you know that one? I have heard that. One. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that was them, but yeah, I've heard that one. So J- James had that song, which was, uh, you know, it was a big hit. And they actually said that the songs that were big in the UK and the ones that were big in the US are different. They said mm. that um, the song Laid that they did 
uh, was the biggest hit they had over there. Whereas here it was sit down. And they said in some countries in Europe, it's she's a star. Oh, well, I th- yeah. yeah, I think sit down has that more anthem equal. You know, it has that, it has that kind of, it has that, you can sing yeah. it a foot, you can sing it at a football match sort of yeah. quality. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's got that. We love that shit over here. Like if a song can be chanted, then it's a good song. The the Brits will be all over it. Oh, do you British remember the song will fucking the farm. jump on it? Do you remember the song by the Farm? All together now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pure and out anthem. Yeah, or it's um, not well on the I mean, I mean, quintess quintessential British anthem, right? British um, middle-aged drunk man at the pub spilling his pint all over you anthem, right? Yeah. Come on, Eileen. Ah, uh, I, I, I can't. S- oh, I, I know you it's... don't. I, I know you're not a fan, right? I know you're not a fan, but you can't deny that that's the one. That's like, all right, lads, let's get this party started. That's the one that gets that gets you know that. I, I, I yeah, mean, gets, uh, I gets us crunk. That, 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 that's kind of disrespecting Come On Eileen, because I actually love the song Come On Eileen, but I think it's uh, it's much more Irish in its theme. It does have a, a, a singer, it has a, a, the ability to have everyone sing it. It can be one individual or a hundred people. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that it was, that it was no. written by, with the intention of it, becoming a football chant. I don't think any song was written with the intention of it becoming a football chant. It has elements of whilst it, it, it comes from that period of just after because it's 1982 I think it came out which yeah. would make it just after sort of the rise of bands like Madness and the Specials and yeah, it's, it's, I it's can imagine that... a group of people seeing Our House yeah, well, any, yeah, any of that kind of that kind of um, bouncy eighties mm. kind of British ska music, like works in that context. You know, that kind of it's got that kind of it's very post. Well, not not even not post Thatcher. You know, in the middle of Thatcher's. Um, <laughs> All music is defined as before BT and AT, before, before Thatcher and after Thatcher. But it was yeah. like the the sound the sound of the eighties was very much a, a kind of working class. For for I mean for for band with bands like that it was very very much like, you know the sound of working class anthems spilling through pubs and stuff. You know the sort of oh. thing that people could get behind because it was a really shitty time for. Do you know what song I think you should listen to if you want to hear that, like where I really think that begins? It's, do you know the group XTC? Um, rings a bell, yeah, I think so. They are effectively like the rock band that Pulp, Oasis, Suede, you know, all these bands that we can name from, like Joy Division, we've named, you know, Queen, I mean, Mud, whatever you want to name, you know, all the British bands. They are somehow always forgotten about. And they did a wonderful song called Making Plans for Nigel. And I've got, that I, I, song. I've just, I've just got looking for Linda by Hugh and Cry in my head for some reason. 
Making plans for Nigel. Making plans for Nigel. <laughs> Can you not sing that song against that melody? <laughs> it's a much better song, Making plans for Nigel, than, uh, well, that. <laughs> Making plans for Nigel. It's just got the same, it's just got the same number of syllables, that's all. It does, yeah, and they're said in the same, like, order. There's like... Yeah, they're, the, three, yeah, they're said in the same... Um, uh, yeah, they've got they've got the same. Uh, it's pentameter the words, <laughs> the same rhythm to them. Um, but it's a very good song. I recommend people check it out just because this song, um, even though it was recorded in what would be now forty years ago, um, I'm just gonna read the lyrics to you, Ash. Okay, just so you can just okay. imagine this in the backdrop. Say, even more recent years, and think of an individual called Nigel. We're okay. only making plans for Nigel. We only want what's okay. best for him. We're only making plans for Nigel. Nigel just needs this helping hand. And if young Nigel says he's happy, he must be happy. He must be happy in his work. We're only making plans for Nigel. He has his future in a British steel. We're only making plans for Nigel. Nigel's whole future is as good as sealed. Yeah, that's a, that is a good song. That is a good song for the for the pre-Thatcher years, you know, just before she came in. I mean, Nigel is fucked not... fucked everyone over. Nigel is not outspoken, but he likes to speak, and he loves to be spoken to. I mean, this song, it just... It touches it's pretty on the nose. It's really on the nose, but yeah, I mean... It's very on the nose, yeah. It's, it's very sort of prophesizing the Thatcher years coming up, and also it does prophesize a certain Nigel that we know in politics of more recent times as well. Well, I mean, I didn't get I, I didn't get Farage vibes from it. I'm not gonna lie. I got I just thought of Nigel as a, as a as a work as a working class man who was stumbling into hell, you know, the hell of the eighties. But I mean, um, it, it, no, I I just think I think that the reason that I think British music, especially. When it does working class stuff, like American music, what it would do is it would talk about land and it would talk about freedom. About it becomes a little bit rock flag and eagle. It's, it's, it's no, almost proper... not, not rock flag and eagle. I'm talking more like the um, uh, what do you call them? The more like uh, Woody Goofy sort of style music. Whereas, oh, Bruce, oh, 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 actually, no, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen, which yeah. it becomes also social. It becomes like social commentary. Whereas mm. British music, a bit like British humour, I think it kind of it. It's a bit like a sh being shot at and being stabbed. It's it a might lot... take you a good few minutes to notice you've been stabbed, but you're going to know immediately you've been shot. It's, it's kind it's... of in your face, whereas the other one's a bit more smiling and it can do it to you on the side, and you wouldn't even notice it. I think it's a lot bleaker as well. I think not not as anywhere near uh... as optimistic. Yeah, there's Not... a lot more optimism with with kind of a lot of American sort of music. Like it's like we'll get through, you know, things are shit, but we'll get through this. Whereas British music is a lot more things are shit, and they're probably going to stay that way, mate. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's sort of like whereas America is more about the change of society, British music tends to be more about how there is a that is a class system. And I mean, Amer well, America 
does have this in the terms of rap and hip hop. It does talk about this, especially in more recent mm. music about how, because uh, in America, it isn't a class system, more of a race system. So well, yeah, it's more racially racially focused because to prepare, so I mean that they're just two different things, even though they are oppression. Same. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, the UK is a is a country that is just built on class in a way that no other country seems to be. It has a dependence on a class system, you know, that no other country seems to have. Still, um, whereas America is a, as as a much younger country and as a country that originally defined itself by throwing off the shackles of the aristocracy and you know saying fuck you to the king of england um had to find another way to divide itself and uh completely and i think actually what's a little bit more in a way of a difference between the two isn't just about it's I, I, it sort of touches on this. The class system is such a strong motif in British music. You had middle class singers becoming working class. Mm. Lily, you know that wave well, of. you've got a point there. Um... Like, it's like as though she's gonna, you know, she's from Brixton or something. But you look at her background. Her dad is a famous actor. Uh, um... Her dad was in. Uh, was it? Was it? Was it yeah. Flatlayers? Was was yeah? Was he was Keith in, Keith he sung Vindaloo, didn't he? Uh, he did. No, he definitely did. You know the New Order with uh, song, John Butler. No, I'm sh- no, I'm sure he was in Vindaloo. Oh, he was yeah, he Vindaloo. was. Yeah, but he, he was also Vindaloo as a song. Flatlayers. Yeah, the lyrics were what's... written by Keith Allen. Uh, what's the point what's of that song? Um, I purpose. think. I don't know what Fat Les was. Oh, so yeah, obviously it was, it was, it was, that was, actually, no, that was a song written to be a football chant. Okay, can I tell you, this, this, do you know, you know Fat Les, do you know who, what fit Fat Les com- comprised of? Yeah, it was, uh, that, oh, God, um, I can't remember his name, but it was Keith Allen, wasn't it? And it was, um, because I was thinking about this recently, um, and it was the guy who, he's in a lot of things, he's in that, um, He's an act, he's a comedian, but he's an actor as well, isn't he? He's in um, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, and uh, he's in like I think he was in Game of Thrones. I can't remember his name. Tell me his okay. name. Okay, so so it wasn't. I, I think I I think I know who you might be thinking of, but I don't think it's. It, you, I think you mixed him up with someone else. No, the no people I'm sure it's him. I'm sure it's him. Is Alex James the bassist and the cheese farmer <laughs> from Blur? Oh, I didn't know Alex James was in. He was the lead Afterlife. person. Um, oh. the other the other person, obviously Keith Allen. The other person was Damien Hurst, the artist. Oh yes, I forgot about Damien Hurst. And I mean, not I didn't forget that he existed, but I forgot he was he was a part of it. The people who provided the 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 songs that they did, the vocals, included the following people. Okay, Keith Allen, obviously Alex James, Lily Allen. Uh, Andy Kane and um, Lisa Moorish and one Michael Barrymore. Oh, now, Michael want, Barrymore. If someone said to you, you're in the late 90s, apart from probably Matthew Kelly, 
the next person I'm going to think of is Michael Barrymore. Oh, Barrymore was massive, but going back to this, going back to going back to this question, what cultural insights of nineties Britain? What cultural insights from nineties Britain then can we infer from Fatles, from Vindley by Fatles? Um, that um, culturally, what did that bring to the table? You thinking? We got dead air. I, I no, it's not dead air. It's me thinking here. This is that's quite a tough See, the question. Thing yeah. that is um, I would say about fat les is that it's clearly a it's a Vindaloo is the song it was the unofficial song of the '98 World Cup, wasn't it? It was the unofficial one. It wasn't the official. One. It was three lines. The official one. Three lines, the official one. I think it. I mean, to be honest, I think both of them should be. You know, if we were, if I was in room one hundred and one, I would send them both in. Oh well, you'd send you'd send three lines on a shirt to room one hundred and one. Deal and Skinner can go fuck themselves. Really don't like either of them. Wow. Okay. Uh, Listen, I mean, I'm not. I'm, say, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty ambivalent towards towards. Bedelian Skinner as a whole. I mean, I, lo- I I did love fantasy football back in the day. I thought that was a jam of a show. But three lines on I a mean, show. That's a, that's. But but they 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 are two individuals who I didn't think that were that funny. Their their jokes came more of being like school kid humor. All right. Like well, we didn't we didn't we didn't um come on here to shit on no, the no. careers of Bedelian Skinner. <laughs> that's today. a summary of um, childhood music. We can, we can, we can. Oh yeah, the 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 summary of our of our uh, our childhood musical experiences can't be boiled down into the phrase "fuck Bedell and Skinner." Um, <laughs> no, but, but like I say, but... I, I would. I, I'm going to argue. Right, I'm going to argue that Three Lions is the one of the only two good British football songs, as in like World yeah, well, Cup kind of songs the other one Which is the, the uh um no uh, uh what's it called uh around the, the one world. that john barnes the one that john barnes mean, is in new uh, world order uh do you mean world in motion world in motion that's the one yeah okay that's, so that's you... actually a really good song like are you just football the paris you are Can- carnival de paris Carnival of Paris. I've not heard Can you that. Please one. give that one a listen because that is probably the most recognized, I'd say, of all of them. Is it? Yeah. I would argue. Now, how, how, how have I never heard of it then? <laughs> because I think the problem is, is it's not got lyrics to it. So people don't recognize it, if that makes sense. It was. Is this going to be one of those types of things where it's like, ah, uh, nah. It's actually this this one that you don't recognise, but you probably heard it everywhere. No, no, no. I, I mean, everyone, everyone, when they hear it, they they would know the beat. Okay, well, so, I'll, I'll give it a listen when 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 we're done here, when we're through uh, hashing this out. Yes. Um, I'll I'll give that a listen, but I would I would I would argue that three lines on a shirt is and always will be. Well, well, here's a question. The for best. You. Do, do you know songs. what the 
official song was for the 1966 World Cup. I didn't think there was one, was there? There was. The, the, the first one was in 1962. Oh. There was one, there was a song um, for the 1966 World Cup. Do you want to know what it's called? Um, I can't think of what it might be called, so go on. World Cup Willie. World Cup Willie. It was World Cup <laughs> Willie. I'd love to meet World Cup Willie. Was he a so mascot? No. I don't know, but all I do know is that it was in brackets. It says, "Where in the uh, where in this world are we going? <laughs> this world are we going? Well, this World Cup, the 1966 World Cup, was set in the UK, wasn't it? So probably Birmingham or something. Probably, probably was. Yeah, um, I do Wembley like Wembley Stadium. Yeah, just so you know, the um, um, which one would it have been? Would have been the '94 World Cup. It had two songs to it, and yeah. one of them was uh, "We Are the Champions" by Queen. But that's not really the official song. That's more of like a—I think it was sort of pseudo-official song. The official yeah, and, one, and uh, it wasn't exactly prophetic, was it? N- no. Um, but the other one was "Gloryland." Do you know who did that one? Um, no. Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. What? Yep, that's Daryl really weird. Hall. That's that is actually. Why would Daryl Hall be writing a British don't know. football anthem? I don't know. I mean, the the '98 World Cup had four. So wait, did the FA just pay Daryl Hall a sack of money and said, "Look, we need we need you. We need well, a song no, to cheer up our troops." Yeah, potentially. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I mean, maybe... uh, uh, actually, that's that's a point. That's a point there. Are these songs funded by the FA? Are they, do the FA pay or say Badil and Skinner? We need. We need a football the... song. Oh, this would be FIFA, wouldn't it? No, it would be. It wouldn't because Daryl Hall was American. It was in the ninety-four. Oh, I sorry. I thought you were talking about British football, like oh. you know. British football anthems like that one James Corden did that one time, or oh, uh, shout wasn't it? Yeah, I thought I thought you were talking about like like you know ones that were specifically geared towards the English football team. I mean, rather than no, 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 no. World I Cup, mean... World Cup overall anthems. That makes there's, more sense. That that down the hall songs that end up falling in this like bearing in mind that do you remember the song love generation by bob sinclair that was for the 2006 world cup and that got remixed for the world cup il divo technically did that that one for that world cup as well il divo oh god see this is this has gone way off track i've got to say this has gone way off track we we were talking about we're we're talking about we're talking about songs from our childhood and now and now the topic well the topic's turned to world cup anthems I mean, yes, it's still our, it's still technically our childhood. But okay, I can think, I ask you I a think... question? Do you remember the song "Love Generation"? Um, not, not like nothing. Not a tune isn't coming into my head. Okay, do you remember the song "Hips Don't Lie"? Yes. There was a there was a remix of that that was done for the two thousand and six World Cup. Really? And that was Shakira. Shakira. I mean, bless her. She has been around for a while now. She's been here for a good twenty years. She's been around. Makes it sound like that's where she, that's how long she's been alive. Bless her, she's been alive twenty years. Shakira, she's twenty years old, getting on a bit now. <laughs> like like someone's old cat in the corner. No, <laughs> um, 
no, but that'd I be mean, a good name for a cat, actually, Shakira. I wouldn't call my cat Shakira. I like the name Shakira. It's a nice name. I might, I might uh, call my cat Shakira. But the weird, the awkward one is that the 2010 World Cup had um, had two official songs. Because do you remember? Because you remember the song "Waka Waka" by Shakira. She did the other one as well. She did the official one. But the one they don't talk Waka about. Waka. Is, yeah, no, don't. Let's not. Let's not get into the fact that Africa finally had a World Cup and they got someone, you know, from South America to do their song, and said, "Oh, you know, it's all ethnic." I'm sure. But the one that's really awkward is Colombia. Um, yeah, no, no, probably they, the they same. Had an official song with the Soweto uh, spiritual singers as well. Which is a very nice song. The only problem is they were featuring on a song with R. Kelly. Oh, God. What? Yeah. The sign of a victory. <laughs> that was the 2010 World Cup anthem. And if it tells me anything, is these songs, they're very um, of the moment. And even looking yes. back on them, you sort of go, oh, they are locked in a capsule. Yeah, and... that, is, that, is the weird, that is the weird thing about you're right about that. Like World Cup songs, songs that are created for a sporting event, do often end up very uh, they're almost locked in stasis. I, I, I'm get. I, I guess it's because they are written specifically about an event that is happening that year, or specifically for that event. Therefore, they kind of get tied up within that you know that the, the the four weeks that that event is a big deal and they are they they're kind of snapshots of that time whereas any other song about socio-political issues or whatever can be applied to what is happening today sometimes i mean often they you know they they can't but a lot of them are, are timeless like that whereas a song about a competition in 1972 is only going to be relevant. Is, is going to feel like it's only relevant to that competition in 1972. It does, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking on like now on a broader scale as well. Looking at some of the songs, like "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time" by Britney Spears. Yes, that song is very, very much a 1999. Mm, I mean, it's, it used the you've got the you can you can tell i think you can definitely tell what song you know what decade a song is from based on the kind of casio keyboard sounds they happen to be using in the back they happen to be sampling in the backing tracks like bells you know those kind of electronic bells like um steps would use quite a lot ding 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 ding, 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 ding. Uh, like that that's a very 90s sound <laughs> yeah um um i think i think anything that basically if we opened up the do you, do you remember uh oh what's his name no i was gonna say a name but i don't know if he's would he be? Yeah, I think. Do, I think... Do, do you know who I'm thinking of? Do you remember the group Scooter? Yes. Them. Take all the sounds that they ever built, <laughs> drop them on the floor, and sounds just pick up built. a sound, and you've got a '90s tune. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that uh, you know that that's that that's kind of brings up an interesting sort of 
point about you know musical technology in the sense that set the sound of a decade is obviously going to be defined by the music tech they have available at that time yeah. and as 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 you get as as kind of more electronic instruments came into play like synthesizers and keyboards and stuff and more sounds were being you, you were able to sample more sounds there are going to be so there's going to be one like like the dj button on a casio keyboard in 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 you know year eight musical le- music lessons you know there are going to be some sounds that inevitably can become popular on those synthesizers and because obviously those synthesizers uh you know the the generation of those like m- you know 80s Moog synthesizers are going to be mass produced and sold to lots of different studios. They're going to be all using these these different sounds, which is which is why I think that you you do get obviously you do get that that when you say oh there's that it has that 80s sound. Yeah. It's it's because Moog were just supplying synthesizers to studios that happened to make that sound more than any other. Um, and it's you know it's it's it's. I think I think when you when you get to the sound of a of a of a, of a generation, mm. a lot of it like that is almost un well it's is is unintentional. It it depends on the style of instrument they have, you know, that they have available. Uh which is uh, I find that I find that quite quite an interesting little thought. Um I mean it's interesting you say about Moog because the 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 impact of Moog as a whole um, really goes back to the sixties again, like their their fifties mm. onwards. Oh yeah, without yeah, I mean, I I I use Moog because that's the like the first first synth brand I could I could really think no, of. No, no, but the the, the early synth pop music, uh, the song Popcorn, for example, which uh, the guy that made it, uh, Gersh Gershon Kingsley. He hmm. did it in 1969, and it's probably one of the very first songs that was entirely uh, synth. Oh, really? And, I'll have to give that a listen. Well, what, what's quite interesting is that he um, he died at the end of last year, and he was nearly 100 years old. He was born in Weimar, Germany. Oh, bloody hell. Weimar, Germany, he was born in. That is insane to think So the about. first that's that's crazy. That's crazy actually. The first synth musician, the first full you know, musician to use full synth. Yeah, a full, full synth, fully electronic um in the sixties out sound out, but in the sixties. Was born in Weimar, Germany. Yeah. And of course yeah, it, yeah. that that I mean Germany were in terms of an electronic sound were very much they were at the forefront of like that that kind of techno they, 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 synth wave sound, weren't they? Have been because even yeah. when you look at bands like Kraftwerk. Um, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, and uh, to be uh, and you know you look at bands like uh, what do you call it? remember the song Vitamin C. Uh, oh, Mooney Suzuki named themselves after the two singers. Ah. Oh God. You know who uh, I mean. Demo Suzuki and um Yeah, Muni Suzuki. It's not T Rex, is it? No, no, T Rex is British. Uh that's uh Bolin. Oh yeah. Suzuki oh, let me look up Demo Suzuki. Demo Suzuki Can. 
can. That's it. Because that, I remember that David Suzuki didn't really sing so much. He just sort of made noises. Well, he sung like a Japanese person, which, you know, speaking English, uh, although it was like a limited sort of way he spoke. Like, it's very typical. Oh. It's, it's that kraut rock. Yeah. It's kraut rock through and through. And I do recommend people to do give a listen to Tego Mago. Tego Mago's bloody good album. And I, I, I do think that the music from that era and even into maybe not the eighties was a bit weird because that's where I think the music from Germany kind of took a sidestep because you had band singers like Falco. Falco, yeah, I love Falco. Uh, Falco Falco's is great. He he was he was definitely a character individual character taken individual. taken from us too soon. Yeah, I was going to say he's, he really uh, was. He's gone. He, he died in like a car accident, I think. Oh, it's not nice. Something like that. It was a good. He was. He was good though. He, he brought out some fucking good albums. Like um, uh, it's not Hello Vienna. Is it Hello Vienna? They did obviously Amadeus. Yeah, brought me Amadeus. That's the that's the that's that's the one he's most known for. Um, Genie, mm. that's a good song. But I wouldn't yeah. say though that his music is, and although he is Austrian actually, but he does fall into that category. I don't think I think German music it kind of went into that Scorpions era. It went into like oh, well, they they and... yeah they 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 fell they they full on went into that kind of umelut rock, didn't they? And yeah, um, and and kind of uh, went into the kind of glam side of things. But I mean, that's you know that's just how it goes. But yeah, like they like obviously the sound like when you think of the set when, when I think of seventies music, when I think of like craftwork, I think for seventies. But like when I think of seventies music from like America and and the UK. Mm. You, like you think of um guitar focused kind of i guess psychedelic stuff um it's I mean, kind of it where, where prog was starting out i mean that's we, the 70s was where music variety really cut you know really kind of just started to branch out and go all I over the, the place the technology allowed for it because not only was mm. uh, it developing but it allowed you to listen to different sounds and um i would say that in the 70s what you did find was that be an artist be from you know the uk or from you know any part of the world they really could if their song was caught by the airways they would play but there was a lot more concept albums i found coming out you had like because it's because uh, it's prog was uh was, was coming into its own wasn't it in the 70s it, it did, yeah but i also think as well that it also stems from it's almost like the album became much more prevalent over the single well that's that that's that's, that's that, that again comes from technology yeah because yeah. yeah you could you could store more you could store store a lot more songs yeah on um newer vinyls obviously yeah Can't you say tell a story over the course of five songs instead of you know having to get it all done in in four minutes uh which mm. yeah that which 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 was a an absolute revelation it's probably why you got you 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 saw a lot of so saw a lot of bands like you know Pink Floyd and um, Yes and all. And, you know, I was going to say Opeth, but they came along a lot later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you also, if you actually look at the, you know, the best-selling albums of all time. Mm. Um, 
you do have obviously thriller which is like 82 acdc's back in black is 1980 but i kind of say it still falls in that 70s sound yeah um, definitely you have meatloaf's bow of hell which is a 77 uh, pink floyd dark side of the moon you have eagles uh greatest hits album from 76 you have saturday night fever from the b by the Bee Gees. you have um rumors by fleetwood mac Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You have yep. the Grease um, soundtrack, Led Zeppelin, with Led Zeppelin 4, which is the one with Stairway to Heaven on it. Uh, you know, uh, Hotel California as well probably would be amongst those. And you start to realize that a lot of albums became way, 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 way more important than um, singles for a good period of time. I think I think albums now still hold a like trump card over i still listen to music on an album by album basis i think i think the playlist is is kind of king now um people are listening to music more in individual playlists rather i mean mean, obviously people listen to albums a lot still i think i think that's that's the thing artists wouldn't drop beyonce wouldn't drop a single she'll drop an album Mm. Or you, a single. I feel like a single these days is more of a promotion builder for the album. Like a, almost the, a trailer for the album. Yeah, but because of the way it works now, beforehand you'd have had the MTV culture, where people would turn on MTV, they'd hear a new song, they go, "Oh, I want to get the song," then they find the album, and then so on. Whereas now, I think you might have it in a playlist. You hear a song, go, oh, I like this. And then you start digging deeper. Exactly. That's and what, that's what I, think... I do all the time. Like, I'll be, I'll be listening. I'll listen to an album I, on, on Spotify or whatever. Or play it. No, but, but as in, I'll listen to an album. Like, it'll go into the radio of that album. And it'll oh, show, yeah. and, and you'll get songs that you like. And like. Shit, this band's really good. Like, like I was listening to, um, who was it I was listening to the other day? Um... I think it was just like Misfits or something. And then uh, the album ended and then it came up with like all these other bands that, I've, that I really liked. And I, you know, I've got into like um, Blitzkid um, and um, Idle, uh, Idle Hands and all, all these kind of really cool sort of like dark gothic punk bands and stuff. And I was like, it was, it was really cool. Um, Cult of Seven, they're a really good band. Um, if you're into kind of like, like kind of like that ghost, like a ghost style, you know, like the band Ghost, like how they kind of, how they kind of sound, it's it's very much like that. Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not a ma- like, I think Spotify has been good for the consumer and bad for artists. I think it's yes and no. I mean, it's the same. Issue I think band. I think. I, I think You've got if you more want to support bands, ever being discovered. That's the thing. That's a that's a good point. But you also there You're there are a lot of mid level bands like bands with like you know a kind of mid level popularity. Hang on, bands with like a mid level sort of popularity. They're kind of um, they lose out a bit with with. Um, with Spotify, a uh, Gamma Bomb, uh, case in point, they're, they're an Irish thrash metal band, uh, and they, you know, they 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 have hundreds, hundreds of thousands of fans, uh, really popular, um, 
you know they'll 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 sell out festivals easy, but they don't get a living wage off Spotify. No, um, but and I it's... would say that if you view Spotify as a source of income, it's it's like with most forms of businesses, you have to have a diverse portfolio. And unfortunately, the way it's gone, yes, I do agree with you. It's not profitable. But here's the thing. When you consider that now an artist probably has um they're not subject to did i appear on mtv do i fit mtv sound do i appear to the masses feel taste how can people discover me they have to take a risk and buy my album whereas now you have a catalog which you can listen to freely on your phone i mean there is now more of a chance of not so much even making it big or be but being of how developing that core audience that you want um i i i respect where that comes from from an artist's point of view where they say i'm sorry but you are listening to my album okay honey but here's the thing if someone in music let's say someone like michael jackson would have sold a load of albums but i don't believe he made all his money in the 80s and the 90s from his albums i believe he made it from merchandise licenses lots of different things and for example for me i know in back in the day people used to say you sold out if your song appeared in a, a commercial now people don't say that there well, is the yeah it's not, i mean i think people say you you sold out more if you were yourself to appear in a commercial like you know you remember when when iggy pop was Iggy Pop was shilling car insurance, or, yeah, or when John... Johnny Rotten was selling butter. Um, yes, but here's I mean, John, Johnny Rotten's gone off the fucking rails. Anyway, what the fuck's he talking about? He's just gone. He's gone full Tory. Oh, what the fuck? It? I mean, oh yeah, he's he's uh, he's Ash. This yeah. is the thing. This is the thing. I think he was wearing a Make America Great Again T-shirt at one point. I mean, I, I'd like to think he wasn't, but. I swear, I swear, I saw that. I don't want to. I don't want to get sued by the. Um, uh, I was going to say the estate of Johnny Rotten, but he's still alive. Um, <laughs> but, like... Johnny Rotten. <laughs> but he, um, he, he is. I know he said that he, um, he's anti-gay marriage, which yeah, rubs me up wrong. Um, yeah, he has I said mean... that. Is it punk rock? Because it's it's a relatively unpopular but opinion, I guess. But appeared on the BBC. The Sex Pistols were part of the establishment as well. Anakin oh yeah, they 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 were they were they were, they were, they were a... UK was an album, okay. That on Nevermind uh, the Bollocks by uh, Here's the Sex Pistols, okay. The label was Virgin. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were uh, they were they were basically a a manufactured boy band weren't they um, yeah i mean listen like the, 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 like the fucking monkeys <laughs> and that's exactly yeah but do you want to know something about the monkeys they didn't lie about who they were. that's why you can't accuse them of selling out no i mean, I, mean I would never accuse the monkeys of, of selling out it would be a waste I, of time I, I would say selling out is simply this when you go to bed at night can you sleep if you can you have not sold out if you feel like, why did I? It's it's like Hank Kingsley says in um, the uh, Larry Sanders show. 
don't put on the green tights. No, how, no matter how much they offer you, don't put them on. <laughs> <laughs> if you can live with yourself at the end of the day, then you haven't sold out. And I think those are great words to end this podcast on. I agree. Uh, thank I you. I think everyone. that's a good, it's a good tone. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, thanks. thanks for making it through this far. We couldn't do it without you. Um, yeah, I don't know how many people actually listened to the last one, so I actually do need to look into that. Uh, can we try to advertise this one this time, or else we seem like we're trying to resist the man on such a level? I don't. I think that sounds like a lot like selling out to me, Phallus. Well, we are on Spotify and uh, on iTunes, so if people do have either of those facilities, they can listen to us. We're exclusive, like a bar without a sign. Yeah, I was going to say that, and now over to our sponsor, but then I just realized we have no sponsor. So if you do have something to sponsor, you know, <laughs> hemorrhoid cream. Uh, everyone, dollar it, Shave Club. That would be great. Um, Audible, uh, you know, Amazon, throw some of your money that way. really would help us. Um, <laughs> Raid Shadow Legends. Oh, no, no, we're not getting sponsored by Raid. If you fucking call us, okay, suck a dick. That's what I say to you. <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and I'm gonna say, uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, yes, yeah, I am. I, I ain't saying fuck that. I really no, hope no. that doesn't come back. This statement doesn't come <laughs> back to bite us. <laughs> I know one day if, if this ever does come back, if it does, you know what? We're at a point where we're quite comfortable. Listen. Raid, you haven't sponsored us yet. If you do sponsor us in the future, good for you. Okay, congratulations. We're glad we worked something out. If you don't, however, I, I hope you get scurvy. Um, If you join now with the code Keeping It Real, you will get one free champion, Hexweaver, who is a great champion for beginners. You know, Ash. I, and I, 500 I, I, gold. <laughs> I hope in years to come, someone listens to this and they do put it into Raid and uh, someone who works for their company accidentally leaves that as a code inside and it just breaks the game. You know what the annoying thing is, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really annoyed for myself. I just, um, I just plugged Raid Shadow Legends without Raid paying me a dime. Yeah, you did. Them. We've given them a lot of advertisement space here. For something and I, I haven't even played that game. I don't even like mo mobile games, really. Um, they're just a black hole for your money. So that's true. Um, and so on we'll, that, we'll on that we'll note, to... we'll end it. I was mobile say... games are a black hole for your money. There you go. Don't get Mike. sucked in. If you've walked away with anything today, it's a little bit more news, music, knowledge, trivia, and on top of that, mobile phones absorb your money. No, not mobile phones. They're they're fine. Mobile games. I mean, if you spend money on Candy Crush, then there are better things to be spending your money okay. on. Come on now, people. If you want to invest your money or put your money into anything, invest in Gazprom, our sponsor. <laughs> well, this isn't the Champions League, fast. Right. All right. <laughs> fine. Anyway, thanks for uh, listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Keep safe. Keep it real.